Good, e- good evening, everyone. It's great to have you back for week nine of Alpha. Thank you guys for, for being here. I'm already, I'm already set up for this announcement that I didn't know I was going to be doing, so I'll, I'll back off of that for a moment. Um, well, we are in the ninth week. Some of you have perfect attendance. Some of you will be able to experience graduation next week. Uh, if you are been watching live stream and you have perfect attendance, we want to know about that. So make sure we get that information to you so you can be recognized as well. Even though you haven't been here, it counts. So, uh, so we do appreciate you guys being here for as many weeks as you've been able to do it. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, we hope for each and every one of you a, a merry, merry Christmas where there's much to be, much to be thankful for, even in the midst of our COVID atrocities that each of us is going through. But I do want, I do want to just introduce you uh, once again tonight. This Friday night, uh, Michael O'Brien and the Photo Sisters will be at Lakeview Christian Center. We've got a capacity of 254 seats, which are socially distanced. Uh, and uh, we are right now at about 224. So I want to encourage you, if you want to go online and register uh, we've had the experience of, uh, we've known the Photo Sisters, we've had them many times. Michael O'Brien came in the fall, in October, and this is just going to be a great night of Christmas music and uh, a lot of fun. So I want to encourage you to, to be here. So please consider that. So for the last eight weeks, we have been taking on some traditional religious stereotypes of many things. The Bible, a relationship with Christ, we've talked about prayer, we've talked about evil, and tonight's topic is the church. What about the church? Um, and the church is a big one, and the reason it's such a big one is because most of us attend, either occasionally or often, or for a wedding or a funeral or whatever, we, but we're all familiar with church. We have a, an idea of church. Well, tonight we're going to look at the Bible's definition of church, because my definition of church and the Bible's definition of church was two completely different things. So I was quite surprised, and maybe you'll be surprised tonight, we'll find out what the Bible has to say. So I assure you, uh, the Bible's going to mess with some of our stereotypes again tonight. And, and I do want to remember, remind you, not that I necessarily have to, but um, I don't believe anything I'm telling you. I'm not asking you to believe anything I'm telling you. Check everything out that you're hearing, whether it's at your tables, in the houses with your, with your hosts. <clears throat> Check out what is going on. See if what is being said to you lines up <clears throat> excuse me, with the scripture. So tonight we're on page 80. It's actually the last session of Alpha. What about the church? And when you and I think of church or the church, uh, what do you think about well, there are some, well, some popular misconceptions. Not that they're totally wrong, but some popular misconceptions of, of church. When we think of church, we think of church services. Hey, when, does, when do you have service at your church? Um, we think of the clergy. What's the church have to say about that? What's the opinion of the church? Um, or we think of the church as a particular denomination. What type of church do you attend? Or we think of, typically we think of the church as a building. Hey, where's your church located? And what we're going to find out tonight is that the church isn't a service, but the church has a service. The church 
isn't leaders, but the church has leaders. The church isn't a denomination, but the church has denominations. And the church isn't at a location, but it has locations. So tonight, just before we really get into this, you know, there's lots of thoughts that people, there have been many things going on in the church, and the church gets a black eye uh, many times, and, and, and some deserved. Uh, but one of the reasons, maybe not as deserved, but happens anyway, is, um, well, because of church bulletins. Um, and church bulletins can give a wrong conception uh, of church. And so I wanted to just share with you some segments for, from actual church bulletins here tonight. So these are actually in certain church bulletins. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. And don't forget your husbands. The associate minister unveiled the church's new tithing campaign slogan last Sunday, I up my pledge, up yours. <laughs> this being Easter Sunday, we'll ask Ms. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. It's one of my favorite things to happen in church. Thankfully, she wears a long dress, so it's really nice. Um, due to the rector's illness, Wednesday's healing service will be discontinued until further notice. We don't know what is... Sickness was, but maybe it had something to do with this rector. We're not sure. That was bad. Okay. <laughs> Where's my laugh track? Um, Barbara remains in the hospital and needs blood donors for more transfusion. She's also having trouble sleeping and requests tapes of Pastor Jack's sermons. Uh, just a couple more, if you don't mind. Um, Low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday at 7 to 8.30. Please use the back door. Uh, Oh, yes, Bertha Belch, uh, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Memorial Church in Racine. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. She'll be very quiet. And then, last but not least, I think, don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. So anyway, just some things that I thought would just help us join. Well, tonight when we talk about the church, I um, just want to give you some, what does the word even mean? So as we break this down, this is in the Greek, which the New Testament is, is written in Koine Greek or the common language Greek. It's the word ekklesia, all right? The, the word ek simply means out or out of or from, so it's a compound word, so out, out from. Ekklesia means to call. And so simply, the church means called to be called out or called out ones. So the church is not what you and I typically think. The church is God's, it's God's body, it's God's home, it's God's people, it's God's family. The church is not a building. Now, typically, that's what we think. I want to get near to God, so what am I going to do? I'm going to go to church. And that may be all fine and good to find a, a place, but the, the building is not the church. And so tonight when we look at this, it's, I think it will help us get a greater understanding of the relational God that the Bible professes is the one true God and the God who wants to know us and wants to heal us and wants us to experience his nearness and his unconditional love in a family atmosphere possibly like we've never experienced before. So let's just look at some of these points. Let's look at the church as the body of 
Christ. Now, we've, you know, we've, we've heard this term body of Christ. We typically think of it, depending on the tradition we grew up in, and some kind of, a, uh, of an experience, the body of Christ. And we'll think of a wafer or something like that. And Jesus did, in, in terms of communion, tell us to experience communion together, where there is a, a wafer or a cracker and wine or grape juice uh, designating, representing his body or his blood. But the church is called the body. And let's just see what Paul uh, talks about here when he writes to the Romans. He says, for as in one body, okay, this is talking about here a physical body, we have many members. Okay, so in your body, you know this, you don't have to be a medical professional to know this, in your body there are many parts. One body, many parts. There's most of us have two kidneys. Some of us maybe just have one kidney due to a problem. But uh, liver and pancreas and all these other parts. We've got ribs. We've got, we've, got a, we've got femurs. We've got all these things that make up blood vessels. So the one body, we have many members. And the members do not all have the same function. Aren't you? And that, that's true. Thankfully, that's true. So we, so we, meaning the church, the called out ones, though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So we're connected to one another. The beauty of the body is that it is connected. And so we want to see that. Here's what Paul writes to the, excuse me, the church at Ephesus. But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up or mature in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body, that is the church, the called out ones, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth, the maturity of the body, for the building up of itself in love. And so the body functioning together creates a corporate church growth. And so so the question here is, again, here I, I will bring, I know you would not be happy with me if I did not bring out my cups again tonight. And so when, what is the church? When the church talks about being called out, what is it saying or called from? It's being called out from Adam and called into Christ. So that is, so when we see that the church is called out, it means it's called out from being separated from God. It's called out from being spiritually dead. It's being called out from from not experiencing the life that God offers us in Jesus Christ, being called out of the world and being called into Christ. And so we, we see this. We, you are so kind, sweetheart. You know, I, I just stood up here and suddenly my voice decided to um, feel like the Sahara Desert. So you don't have to watch right now. I'll do this. Ah, thank you, love. I've never done this before. Okay. All right, so so the body, the beauty of the body is its connectedness, right? And I mean if you were to see and and the foot is awesome, but the foot without the ankle and the 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 calf muscles and the the tibia and all the all those bones that I don't even remember my I, I spelled humerus in my anatomy course, H U M E R O U S. My anatomy teacher was not happy with me when I did that. Um, he didn't think it was humorous. So, um, so these things that we see are important. I mean, the foot is beautiful connected to the ankle. A foot, I mean, if you watch NCIS on TV, you see lots of severed parts. 
Okay, that's what you see. They're not beautiful. They're beautiful connected, like hand models. I did, did a little bit of research on hand models. They, they can make a lot of money, but I mean, you, you're wearing gloves all the time, and they're just beautiful hands, beautiful fingers. But if you were to take one of those fingers and just, if I just were to cut my finger off and just place it right here, or you're walking down the street and there's a finger on the sidewalk, you don't go, oh, look at that beautiful finger. That's awesome. Why? Because fingers aren't meant to be on the sidewalk, not attached to a hand. That's why they're, they're supposed to be attached to something. The beauty of the body is its interconnectedness. The church is not just one called out one. The church is the corporate, all those who together can live together, work together, serve together, help together. That is the beauty of the church. And we are called out to be meaningfully connected to one another's lives, meaningfully connected to the body, Christ, and therefore to one another. I mean, if you just think about a, a, just a, a barbecue for a moment, you put all those coals together, right? You put the coals together, you, you, if you still do that now, if you, but if you have barbecue briquettes and you put them all together and uh, you put the lighter fluid on them, uh, and they burn beautifully together. Why? Because they're together. But you take one of those briquettes and you put it out on the side. What's going to happen to that briquette? It's not going to fulfill its function. It's not going to enjoy the, the burning togetherness of what the church is to be. What it means to be called out to together. And how difficult has that been with COVID? You know, one of the greatest challenges to COVID is the, ability, the inability to be together. I mean, this is great that we can do this online. It's wonderful. But it's just not the same as being together. And so, so the church is the body. The church is, is a home as well. Let's just think of it. The church is a, a home. In the, in the Old Testament, God called his people to build a house for him. Not because he needed a house. Not that he would fit in the house, for heaven's sake. But because God wanted them to know his nearness. And so before Christ, we get this picture of God in a temple and God's dwelling among his people in a, an edifice, in a building. Um, so in, in the Old Testament, God dwelled in a building made by hands. In the New Testament, God dwells in a building that has hands. You and me. Here's what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. He says, or do you not know? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are no longer your own. And so for the person that's taken out of Adam, placed into Christ, is a called out one and becomes a part of God's church, my body becomes the dwelling place of God. Now, those words come out of my mouth really easily. But think about that for a moment. God says, hey, you, I want to live in you. I want you to be my dwelling place, and I want you corporately as called out ones to be the place that I dwell, yes, in you, as a kidney or as an ankle, or as a femur, all fit together. I, that's, I, there's a role, an individual 
essential role for everyone that God calls out of Adam and places into the church. Now think about that. God calls and chooses so that we can experience an abundance of a calling that is greater than anything anybody in this earth can call us to. God intentionally calling us for his purpose and for his service and for intimacy with us. So our bodies is where God says we dwell. He's made us alive. Here's what Peter writes. Interesting. Peter writes and says, as you come to him, that is Jesus, a living stone. So this is a picture Jesus is giving of Christ, a living stone, or the chief cornerstone, as he's called in another place in Peter, a little bit later in this chapter. Rejected by men, Christ rejected by men, but in, sight of, in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, okay, so he's talking about here, the church, the called out ones, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what he's talking about here is every one of us as living stones is being built together as a spiritual house for the purpose of living a life that says, God, you're more important to me than anything I could ever have temporarily on this planet. I don't want to just live for the dash. I want to live in the dash for the line. I want my life to so count as being a called out one and experience what you have for me because you chose to call one like me, such as me, you chose to call me out for you. I'm just overwhelmed by your immensity of care and intentionality for my life. And so he calls me. Now, I'm going to fight with myself right now, so forgive the wrestling match. But I know for us living in our tra- the, uh, many of the traditions, the high liturgical traditions that we have, you see this here. Living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, being called together. You know, as stones one on top of another, we'll talk about that in a minute, to be a holy priesthood. Now, we think of that term priesthood and we go, whoa, 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 whoa. I know the term priesthood, but I know it within the confines of my denomination. Well, the Bible calls everyone who is called out a priest. Now, what is a priest? A priest is one who comes before God. In the Old Testament, someone, the priest, went He was the one person that went before God. Well, guess what you and I can do now? Because God lives in us and we live in him. We can constantly go before him. Am I saying? So I know in our religious tradition, there are offices and men that are called priests in certain traditions, women that are called priests. But what the Bible says is you are one who has access to God 24-7, 365. A Bible, that's a Bible definition of the term priest. Now, I know that's not a traditional definition. And again, don't believe me. Check this out yourself. Look at what the Bible has to say. But God, and I'm going to show you another scripture in just a minute, that God says to me, if you are in Christ, you are a priest. You are one I beckon to myself all the time to pray, to worship me, to be with me. Hmm. That's fascinating. That is fascinating. And it's true. Stones sovereignly fit together in the right place. Okay? So I so as as I'm 
in, on this wall, in this house that God's building, there are people next to me. There are people beneath me. There are people uh, going to be over me, those supporting me, those who are, that, that I am supporting. I mean, those who, you know, that have that been around longer than we have, those who are supporting us, uh, those that, that we support because we've been around longer. You've experienced some of that at your tables. There are people that are living stones, been a part of God's house for a while and have learned much more about himself. And we're all learning together and being fit together as God's called out ones. It's fascinating to see that. And uh, so, you know, as we look at this being God's house, I've got to bring this, uh, this picture to us once again because, again, in God's economy, there are but two addresses. There's the dominion of darkness and there's the kingdom of light or the kingdom of God's beloved son. If you're in the church, you're in the kingdom of light, God's, God, the kingdom of God's beloved son. If not, you're still in Adam. You are not. You can go to a building called the church. I met, went many times to a building called a church, but I was not the church. Because I was not in Christ. I was still in Adam. So, you know, that, that, that old joke that says going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. You've heard that millions of times. I hate to even, I feel stupid even saying that. But it's, it's the case. Because church is not a place. A church is a place, maybe a, a building is a place where the church meets. The church is alive. If you're alive, you are the church. You are a called out one, a part of God's church, God's family. So we see this here. And see that God sees, God sees but two races. Understand that. God sees two races. He sees the race of Adam and he sees the race of Christ. That's it. Now, you can be black and yellow and red and brown and any other color. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter male, female, young, old. It doesn't matter whether you're from Hungary or Australia. You are, if you are in Christ, you are the church because you're a called out one. And the importance of seeing that is God sees but two races. God doesn't see denomination. Did you understand that? Let me just go ahead and get myself in real trouble right now. There will be no Catholics in heaven, and there will be no Baptists in heaven, and there will be no Presbyterians in heaven. There will be no Episcopalians. There will be no any other denomination you want to throw out there because there will be no denominations there. There will only be called out ones there, people. Not people titled with a denomination, People who are bathed in the blood of Jesus Christ alone. And it's so important we see that. And if, the, if we who are the church would look more into the Bible and less into what we see in facades of and inside of buildings, possibly we would understand that more and we would live more like the called out ones made in the image of God. So, three... Uh, the church is the people of God, okay? Remember, all epistles, what we're, when I say epistles, the letters that are written by Paul or John or Peter uh, or James, etc., those are letters to called out ones. 
And so when we read these, we understand that they're writing to people that are no longer in Adam. They're no longer in the dominion of darkness, in the dominion of God's beloved son. Here's Peter writing in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you, okay, if you're in Christ, he's speaking to you now, so you don't want to miss this. But if you're not in Christ, you may not want to miss this either because I'm trusting that God is, by the Holy Spirit, who we talked about last week, wooing you to be a part of God's church, his called out ones. For you are a chosen race. Okay, that's the word, the word race there is the word genos, okay, from which we get the word genetics, okay? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. There's that word again. A holy nation. That word nation is ethnos. A people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you, again, out of darkness and into his marvelous light, out of Adam, into Christ. For you were once not a people. When you were in Adam, we were not a people. We were not the church. But now you are the people of God. You are the church. You had not received mercy, but now you have received God's unconditional mercy. You and I accepted not because of our relative goodness, but because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf and our, by God's grace, choosing to be in the wheelbarrow, receive the gift, say, I do. And there's so many more scriptures in this area. Let me just touch on the the last one. The church is a related family. We're all related. If you're in Christ, you're related. Doesn't matter whether you like, I mean, we don't like a lot of our regular family anyway, but but it doesn't mean you're not related because you don't like them. I mean, we just had Thanksgiving. You know what I'm talking about. Some people were very happy for COVID this year. Like, finally. Okay, so, uh, but the church is family. Okay, well, how so? Well, let's just, again, let's just back into this through using some scriptures. Um, everyone that believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, 1 John 5, 1, that means family. If you're born of God, that means God is father. We are son, daughter. John 12, 1, to as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God, brothers and sisters of God, a, our father. John 3, 6, you must be born again. Okay, the translation of the Greek there is not necessarily born again. It, it can be translated that way. It said born from above, okay? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You remember this a couple weeks ago? That which is born of the spirit is spirit in Christ, okay? So you must be born again. You must be taken out of Adam and placed into Christ. And then behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and such we are. So the church is family, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of nationality, regardless of age, regardless of gender. There is no uh, higher rung or lower rung. We are all the, the I've heard it said, the, the ground at the cross of Jesus Christ is level. Okay? Uh, if you were to stand before Jesus Christ tonight and you stood next to Billy Graham... God would not say, I wish you'd have been like Billy. 
He'd say, Peg, I made you to be Peggy. And that's the highest calling I have for you. And to Billy Graham, they say, Billy, I meant you to be Billy. And that's the highest calling I have for you. That's how I chose to live my life out through you. See, that, that means as different body parts fitted together, Billy Graham had a big part, okay? But every one of us has a big part, whether it looks big or not, because the audience we are living before as called out ones is our father. He's the one we please. He's the one we submit ourselves to. He's the one we want to experience. Okay? And so we see this here. And then Paul again to the Ephesians. He says, and he came and preached. So here's, Jesus came and he preached to you who were far away. Okay? Those in Adam, far away. And peace to those who were near. Those in Christ. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Okay, that which is born, remember, of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Everyone who is in Christ has been born of the spirit and has been then therefore declared a called out one and is in Christ. Okay, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. I'm throwing some words at you here that you're familiar with in a different context. Okay, according to the Bible, saints are not dead people that got voted on to be saints. And I say that with with total respect. I don't mean that in a denigrating way at all. I'm just reading the Bible for what it is. And this is just one verse out of 63 verses in the New Testament that use the word saint or also translated holy one. Okay, if you are in Christ, this may be difficult for you to grasp here because we've not heard this before. God calls you a saint, not because of how you lived, but because you're now in his family. And what gets into God's family is holy, right? God made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to become sin on our behalf so that we would become the righteousness of God in him. Righteousness of God, holiness of God in him. When God looks at you, he sees you as a called out one, as a saint, as holy, as his, as acceptable, as alive. Again, look it up yourself. I never would have believed this many years ago. But the more I read this scripture, the more I see there's a definition that God's put on you and me if, you are in, if we are in Christ that we have no idea of. That's one reason we need the Bible so desperately. Dad's written us a letter we need to read so that we can understand who he is. And who, who he says we are. So it's so important for us to see that. So we're no longer strangers and aliens. We are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. We are family. So church is biblically characterized by intimate family descriptions. Not distant and non-meaningful relationships of people who occasion the same building or the same service time, the same denomination. Um, 
called out ones, the church, uh, are people related forever to one another. We share a spiritual family connection. We share the same blood, if you will, the blood of Christ. We are also people responsible for one another, never alone. There are, what we have come to find is we have been a part of, of God's people, called out ones, the church. Uh, we have felt anything but isolated. Uh, I may have told you the story when, um, when Annette had uh, cancer surgery uh, almost 11 years ago, and we walked into the, um, the waiting room that morning to be met by, uh, I don't know, 40 people when we walked in there. Um, And the sense of God's presence because of his church was, uh, was palpable. God's called out ones, God's saints, God's holy ones, God's priests called together to pray for my bride and to pray for us. Um, I wouldn't exchange that for the world because that's what God has called us to not to an inanimate building but to living stones living beings with the spirit of God in them as we talked about last week experiencing God in marvelous ways People meaningfully and functionally connected. We desperately need one another. And it, it, it should always be obvious as to how much we need our family. But there are times that it's much more obvious than others, such as Annette and I experienced. And um, I've asked uh, Debbie Basil to come and share her story with us. So, um, Debbie, if you come up, could we welcome Debbie to, to share with us? This is very strange seeing like just a few people in the room. I wrote down what I'm going to say because if I was to talk, and I would just talk, 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 you know. So, hello, um, my name is Debbie Basil, and I met my husband Peter 43 years ago in 1977. He was marching down in the St. Patrick's Day Parade down Metairie Road. I did not kiss him for a flower. I was 15 years old. (laughs) We've been married for uh, 36 years, and we had three wonderful sons and three beautiful grandsons. I'm a nurse, and 16 years ago, in 2004, I don't know where she is, um, I was working with Linda Pratt. My husband had a very complicated autoimmune lung disease in his um, lungs, and it was a very grim outlook. Linda asked me if um, her church could pray for Peter. And I said, sure. And that church was Lakeview Christian Center. So fast forward four years later, in 2008, Peter and I received a letter from Ray Pratt, which is 
Linda's husband. Um, we did not know him at all, and Linda had never met Peter. This letter invited us to a thing called Alpha. It sounded good to me because I had, in at least my own opinion, in my own mind, I was a very religious person, and I had been attending our church with our three sons for a long time without Peter. I went into the Alpha course truly thinking I was just fine, but it was my hard-headed husband who needed rescuing. So for me, as the weeks went on, I had a ton of questions for Ray. I decided I attended the Alpha weekend. Y'all can't have that this year because of COVID. But along with the excitement that I had, a lot of confusion came upon me. Sadly, I had to be honest with myself. Some of the things that I sincerely believed for 45 years just did not line up with what I was reading in the Bible during Alpha. So, and at that time in my life, I felt like I controlled everything that happened, and I thought I was pretty good at doing so. But what happened at that Alpha weekend, I did not control, and it happened to me. God called me, and it all finally made sense. I realized it was Debbie Day Basil's past, present, and future sins that actually held Jesus to the cross. The Holy Spirit made it so clear that God was calling me by name and offering me the gift of eternal life. And I said yes, and I accepted the free gift. What I know is that it became clear my life was changed for eternity. God took me out of Adam and placed me into Christ. So as Frank has been saying, I was now his in the dash for as long as I live, and then with him in the line forever after I'm no longer in this body. So earlier, I said I had three sons. One of my sons, Blake, was also invited by the Pratts to Alpha, and that was in 2007. It was the year before Peter and I attended. Blake was a junior at Brother Martin and had recently lost a son, I mean a friend, to suicide. Peter and I had no idea where he was going, but we knew it was a church thing. Um, Blake also attended the Alpha Weekend. So what I know now is that God also called Blake by name that weekend, and Blake said yes, that my son truly became a child of God for all eternity, even after his last heartbeat on this earth. So after Alpha, Blake went through many struggles and difficulties that this fallen world can present. But my Blake was a fighter, and he overcame many of these battles. Life looked really good from our side. Blake became a husband to, to Anna and a father to Nathan, even if it was just for a short time. You see, three and a half years ago, on May 25th of 17, Blake was deceived by the devil and committed suicide. Blake was called to his eternal home, heaven. I am eternally grateful that the Lord of Lords chose to call my son his son 
And Blake accepted the free gift of salvation at the Alpha Weekend. So as I was practicing reading my story to Peter, he said with tears in his eyes, Remember, Debbie, salvation does not make us perfect, but in it, God gives us his perfect, unconditional promise. What happened after Blake's death is a testimony to the true definition of the church. The church at Lakeview, the body of Christ. These men and women who are now my brothers and sisters in Christ, who surrounded Peter and I that day that Blake died and up until this very day. People just showed up and it wasn't to find out Why did Blake do it? What happened? You know, what was going on with the family or whatever? It wasn't about that. It was about support. It was about love. It was about all of these other living stones holding us up. So we're not alone in our dark moments of despair and deep, deep grief. The body of Christ has cried with us, loved us, and continues to direct us back to the truth of the gospel and scriptures on the days that we can't feel them. The pastors at Lakeview, they have all been my counselors who have battled with me, and they have truly shepherded me in the past three and a half years. I'm a lot to shepherd. (laughs) Um, They help me to continue to have hope in the saving blood of Christ. Over 12 years ago, when Peter and I sat down to our first week of Alpha, we could have never imagined then where we would be today. How Jesus has loved us through his church in spite of ourselves and in the midst of the heartbreaks has been even more than we could ever have asked for or even imagined. And currently, Ray and Blake are now together in heaven. But I thank y'all for listening to my story. Thank you, Deb, so much. Peter, thank you. Uh, okay. Um, that is such a, a picture. I had to have Debbie share with you all tonight to, because her, as we have the privilege of, of living life with the Basils, um, and they were two of the ones that were there in the waiting room, with I don't know how many apple fritters you brought that day as well. Probably heart attacks happened as a result of that. But um, this, is, this is the beauty of being family in Christ now and, and forever. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. So the church of Jesus is a body. It's a home. It's a people. It's a family. And you ask, you know, well, then... Some say, well, why is church so boring and irrelevant 
for most of us? Well, I would say because you may want to consider that it lacks biblical, these biblical characteristics of body, home, people, family. Um, you know, don't we do this? We can find ourselves looking for the shortest service, uh, the most convenient times, um, the closest parking places, uh, the closest to home. Um, honestly, that just brings us back to, I'm just practicing meology. I'm just, this is about God fitting to my schedule for my convenience. And I'm robbing myself of all God intended for the church to be. So, now I told you um, early on, I think it was week two, it may have been week one, I can't recall now. I told you that out what, before I told you what Alpha was, I told you what Alpha was not. That Alpha is not uh, trying to get you, trying to get in your pocket, uh, trying to get you to leave your church or denomination. Uh, and that's true. That's true. Um, yet I have to ask you, if you have learned more about the Bible in the nine weeks that we've been together, um, would it make sense to possibly consider that? Are you experiencing the body fit together, functioning together, a home, an abode, peace? People, friends, family. Um, you know, if the Alpha Course was new material for you, then maybe you want to consider whether where you have gone or where you've gone in the past is clearly presenting what the Bible defines in so many aspects of what does it mean to know Jesus? What does it mean to experience the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to pray? What does it mean to resist evil? Can I know for sure that? Heaven is my home the moment my heart stops. Are, are these the things you're hearing? Um, then if not, I would most humbly encourage you to consider. Are you home? Are you where you should be? And I'm not saying come here. I'm not telling you to leave where you are. I'm just saying, are you experiencing what God wants you to experience in how he defines the church? Ask God about that, truly. Because we here at Lakeview want nothing more than God's best for you. That's all we want. And we would be disserving you, dishonoring the God whom we love to not share that with you humbly. And that's why I pray we've shared everything with you humbly. <laughs> Excuse me. But it is a, a philosophical note I have to make. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you know the end of this. You're going to keep getting what you got. And life in the dash is too short. And life in the line is too long to be more devoted to tradition. I was born this. I will die that. Again, this is not about denomination. It's more too important to be devoted to tradition, religious tradition, than to the Bible in its clear declarations of God's de definition of church. The church is people, home, body, family. And there's but one way to be in the church. There's but one way to be the church. 
And that's to be in Christ. Regardless of the building you may find yourself in, the most important thing is to be no longer an alien and a stranger, but a child of God, of God's very own household. So I'd like to do this. I'd like to pray for us before we end, before we go. If you've got, um, if you're watching online, questions again are going to be available on the Lakeview Christian Center app. If you'd like to just pull some questions off of that, you can do this. But uh, let's pray together just for a moment. Lord, thank you that when Jesus came, he came to get and build a family. And I know, Lord, we we mess that up big time. And we've seen it in so many different ways. Every one of us fall short, Lord. But that's what makes your cross so beautiful. That's what makes your grace and mercy so essential that you continue to love us in spite of ourselves. And you consider to call, continue to call us family, your own, your beloved, even when we fail. Because when you look at us, if we're in Christ, you see your son. You see us in Christ. So, Lord, we would pray that you would make these truths from your word real to us so that you would be all real to us. That the truths that we read of you, the truths we read of the Son, the truths we read of the Spirit, and the truths we read of the church would be ours so that we would live this life abundantly in the dash. So that, Lord, when our heart stops, we will be together forever with our family in Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all again for for being here next week. It's graduation night, and uh, we are very excited about that. We hope to see you uh, next week as well. And we're going to take a quick break here, and let's get back to our tables for, for some discussion at our tables.